You're listening to the Umfreak Parents Podcast, episode 078. You're seen to chat about life, family, and of course, Umfreak McGee. I'm Sarah Jahimiak, podcast host, writer, mom of three, wife, and total Umfreak. Are you prepared for what comes next? Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the show. I hope that you were able to check out last week's episode, which featured the band's shows at Swanee Halloween on Thursday, October 24th and Friday, October 25th. There is a link in the show notes where you can give that a listen if you'd like to. This week, we are going to talk all about the Halloween show in Washington, D.C. on October 31st, as well as the two amazing nights in Philadelphia on November 1st and November 2nd. Before we dive into all of that, I'd like to quickly mention, if you are looking to get the word out about your shirts, your pins, your jewelry, your prints, your band that's going on tour, or your small business that's looking to work with some like-minded folks, Umfreak Parents Podcast would love to help you get the word out. With ad time on the show, ticket giveaways, social media plugs, product reviews, and more, Umfreak Parents Podcast can help you reach and be seen by tons of fellow Umfreaks, musicians, and other kind folks looking to purchase from you, work with you, and support their fellow Umf family. Email umfreakparentspodcast at gmail.com if you're interested in chatting more. Are you looking for the perfect gift for that rocker chick in your life this holiday season? Perhaps you're looking for a killer new vintage rock kimono for yourself or a new sweet piece of canvas art for your apartment. Life Clothing Co. has you covered. Featuring the cutest vintage band t-shirts, sweaters with feel-good sayings, rompers, a fantastic selection of beautiful bell-bottoms, and some swoon-worthy home decor, you are sure to find something for that special lady in your life or that perfect outfit to wear to the next show. Check out the link in the show notes to take a peek at their amazing Grateful Dead and Led Zeppelin gear. Seriously, you or that lady in your life are going to love their stuff. Life Clothing Co. is your place for authentic boho vintage fashion. And exclusively for my listeners, if you use promo code Sarah Jahimiak Rep 10 at checkout, you'll receive 10% off your total order. That's promo code Sarah Jahimiak Rep 10, S A R A J A C H I M I A K R E P, and the number 10 at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off. All right, so let's get to it. And boy, is there a lot to get to from this amazing weekend. Starting off with October 31st in Washington, D.C. at the Anthem, the band has played at this venue only one other time, February 15th, 2018. Umphrey's having a very interesting history with playing on Halloween, thanks to Umfax on Twitter for this awesome little synopsis. I'll also link his Twitter in the show notes so that you can give him a follow if you're not already. He always has really, really great info, and also he was on the second episode of this podcast way back in 2018, seems like forever ago, Um, but I will link that in the show notes as well if you're interested in digging deep in the Umfreak Parents podcast vault and giving that a listen. Anyway, a brief history of Umfreak's Halloween shows. 
1998 through 2000 were hometown shows. 2001 had a Spinal Tap theme. 2002, Sopranos. 2003, Egyptian. 2004, Celebrity Criminals. 2005, they played at Vigus Festival in Las Vegas, but there was no theme. 2006, no show. 2007, horror movies synced with music. 2008 through 2016 is when we saw the mashups. 2012 would include an all-night wrong set. 2017 was the Prince theme. Last year, there was no show. And this year, they all dressed as cops with a little bit of a Reno 911 sort of vibe to it. Finally giving reason for the mustaches that Bayless, Ryan, and Joel have been sporting. There was a photo posted of the band. And then there was another photo of the entire crew as well. The crew members were dressed as inmates. Pretty funny. (laughs) Um, Star Kitchen, the opening band that run, that band includes Mark Brownstein from the Disco Biscuits, if you didn't know. They were dressed as inmates as well. So it was a whole theme going on for the night. If you didn't see the webcast, you have to see this picture, especially to see Jake in the wig and the fake mustache. Bayless mentioning a few times that Jake was Iggy Cop, which explains the wig. I was a little confused when he first came out, so I think that's why Bayless said it, because we were all kind of like, what what is Jake going for here? But apparently he was Iggy Cop, which is definitely very uh, creative. During the show, when Jake is introducing everyone... Joel gives us what I perceive is a very, very fatherly look, a kind of a preview of an unhappiness that he's going to have with some boyfriend of his daughter's years from now, crossing his arms and, and giving us that stern dad look. It's just, these costumes were just so, so good. And like I said, I will post a link to these photos so you can check them out. And I do want to shout out Chris with the vocals for this show. I mean, Bayless killed it too, of course, but I really enjoyed Chris on these police songs. I'm team let Chris sing anyway, so let's get into this. Starting off the evening, walking out to the cops' theme song, Bad Boys by Inner Circle, and stepping right into costume with Synchronicity 2. Oh, <laughs> this is the only police song that I've ever wanted Umphreys to cover And they did it, and then they opened the damn show with it, too. I still, I mean, I'm sure you can tell how happy I am about that, how nerdy I am about it right now. It was the same thing when it happened. I'm like, oh, my God, dancing around the living room and just so stoked that they did this. Our Halloween at home got rained out. The weather was really, really shitty here in Buffalo. Um, We tried to take our kids out twice and got maybe six houses and just was not able to trick-or-treat at all but we were we still dressed up we still bobbed for apples and played games and made the most of it watched the show had a great time so this being the opener certainly certainly helped anyway opening with that synchronicity to just a perfect song to get the evening started and like i said a great police song for them to cover If you've never listened to the original, definitely listen to the original of this song because when you hear it, it's just, it has Umphreys written all over it. I love that they allowed it to roam a little bit, but 
I'm even more excited for what's to come with this song. Now it's in the repertoire. Now it's out there. So who knows what they're going to do with this now that it's out there. Everybody I've talked to loved the way that they did this. So there's no doubt we're going to see it again. I'm just very, very excited for what's to come with with this song and how they they really make it, it, it their own. Bridgeless coming out next, sinking in about six minutes, pivoting a few minutes later and beginning to expand open a little further, forgetting about that Bridgeless for now and coming back down to earth, beginning to wade through this jungle, it seems like, and mysteriously building into Ocean Billy. And that Ocean Billy will get really comfortable slightly after eight minutes, joyously dancing open and coming down about two minutes later to reveal a different side of itself for a little bit before popping back up into that energetic adventure from a little earlier, not staying there for very long and wandering itself back into Ocean Billy. Another police debut, Regatta de Blanc. This one... They really knock this one out of the park as well. I've heard this song, you know, the original before. Honestly, I wanted them to play this, um, but I didn't think that they would take it on live. And oh my God, like, it's just, it's awesome. And every time, like the first time I heard it, I'm watching the live stream. And every time I've listened to it since, you know, a couple times, just goosebumps every single time. There's just something about this that there's just so much emotion behind this song anyways, but then just the way that they did it and and the feelings around it, it's just, they knocked it out of the park. Definitely listen to that one. Joel dreamingly floating us into Utopian, which very well could be the smallest Utopian ever, maybe, coming in totally two minutes and 44 seconds it is broken into two parts there is a nice fatty the fuzz nestled in the middle but again only the two parts less than three minutes I feel like it's got to be the tiniest utopian ever the fuzz as I said was nestled in there love it it was very very good night nurse dancing out next really getting into the depths of itself about five minutes And the first set rounding out with Message in a Bottle. The first time that it's been played in full, according to all things Umphreys, last seen August 12th, 2010 at the House of Blues in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, 931 shows ago. But that one was only one verse, which was sung during the version situated in the middle of Higgins. I will link that show in the show notes if you're interested in listening to that. And again, Chris slaying on the vocals for that one too. Second set would open with what I felt was a massive highlight from the evening in terms of original Umphrey songs. I just said my feelings about when we see Dump City in the opening slot of a show or a set. And this one certainly lived up to that. Coming in at about 18 minutes total, it begins to contort itself slightly after four minutes and taking a little time to get comfortable with itself, sinking in a few minutes later, 
Slightly before eight minutes, Joel sends us off along our way and Stasek gets things mucky shortly after, really opening up and dancing, getting this mystical vibe to it about 11 minutes and slightly after is where it really gets into that groove, coming down for a minute, but then collecting all sorts of momentum and energy, soaring right for the atmosphere, but tumbling back down and soaring right into Dump City. I'm just saying, this one in the spot, it's just so good. And this one is definitely worth a listen. Another stellar debut police tune coming next, Spirits in the Material World, followed by another highlight from the evening featured inside Draconin. This one really getting to the meat of it slightly before six minutes, where it becomes this very heavy, dark, mysterious and seductive monster all at the same time it's just got all of this interesting energy to it it trudges along growing larger and more massive as it just engulfs everything in its path fully erupting into this just very bold crazy train by Ozzy Osbourne tees just love the authority and and the the power behind that rounding the corner and showing its more hopeful side, soaring back and into that lyrical part of the song. Kula rocking out next, followed by another police debut tune, Can't Stop Loving You. An unfinished Nothing Too Fancy would follow, and it would remain unfinished for this evening, and it would remain unfinished for the entire weekend. Definitely a tease of something here at 10 minutes, but I'm not sure what it is. Nothing mentioned on all things Umphreys at this point when I'm working on the show. Um, perhaps it's, again, something else from before. Um, either way, if you listen to it and you know what it is, please reach out and let me know. I love it when I learn all these new things about stuff. Jake, this time, killing it on the vocals with the next police cover, King of Pain. This whole police thing was just a really, really great choice for them to do. And each song that they played proved that again and again. The conclusion of Bridgeless from way back in the first set, the second song, finally coming full circle to close out the second set. Encore would contain the last police debut of the evening. Every little thing she does is magic. I just love that song anyways. And again, Chris killed it followed by Haji. These two melt together really well here, but honestly, I felt it was a little bit of an interesting way to end the evening. I thought about it, and I couldn't really think of anything that I would have placed there instead personally, but for me, it just felt like an interesting way to close out the Halloween show, but of course, still an amazing night anyways. Moving the party to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania for the next two evenings, November 1st and 2nd at the Fillmore. Umphreys has played on this stage a total of eight times, including this most recent two-night run, playing two nights back in 2018 on January 26th and 27th. And they also played three nights in 2016, October 20th, 21st, and 22nd. They have, however, played in the City of Brotherly Love 32 times, dating back to September 17th, 2001 at the Pontiac. 
the evening, which I think I could say is my favorite from this run. It's certainly, in my point of view, held more highlights, minus the police part of the evening before. It can be very hard to pick a favorite night um, when they do a run like this, but if I had to go with one, I would go with this night. It would all begin with an unfinished wizard burial ground that would not pop up again until the next evening, also to open the show. I think this is the first time that they've done something like this. I wasn't able to find any information, um, but I'm pretty sure this is the first time that they did something like that. Resolution next, blossoming into this really, really beautiful Free Fallen by Tom Petty Jam. So many feels with this one for sure. And there was one point during this that they showed Chris on the webcast and he's just having the best time with this jam. Like he's just so happy and loving it. The biggest smile. My husband is a huge Tom Petty fan. So when they went into this, like he was so happy. Singing into the depths of the resolution jam slightly after five minutes, dancing along and really opening up about five minutes later, putting the brakes on and then dancing off, coming back in dramatically as the floor. This one, another highlight from the evening I felt, adventuring off about three minutes and really unleashing itself, strutting back into the floor. Words so beautifully. Next, DBK. Ooh, this one. Rearing out heavy next. Another one that was a standout from this show for sure. Noted on the set list after this, it says first improv A major, second improv heavy. So it ascends on its first adventure post DBK about nine minutes, dreamingly floating along, beginning to pick up momentum a little bit two minutes later, slowly revealing a different side about two minutes after that spending a little bit of time back in DBK before heading off on the second grand adventure of this song. That's when we really start to see the second note that said improv heavy starts to build together there, getting a very tool vibe to it as it forms, melts and molds together, enlarging as it continues and then slamming right back into DBK. I just love the emotion that that one always takes you on. Definitely, definitely, definitely (laughs) give that one a listen. Going a completely different direction the rest of the set with Whistle Kids next. Jake sinking into a wonderful little lounge music sounding solo at the end that will move right into glory to close out the first set of the evening. Set to this night is, for me, what really sealed it as the standout night of the three of the weekend. I really enjoyed seeing a five-song set like this, meaning to me when I see it on paper that we are going to go on some serious winding adventures throughout the set, and I just love that. Starting with Believe the Lie, that featured Pipeline by the Shantays as the intro, Sinking into my personal favorite part of the song, about nine minutes, swirling up all this energy that joyfully dances off a few minutes later, easily one of my favorite parts of any song that they do. Phil's Farm next, getting into it slightly after three minutes, sort of contemplating its move for a second, and it begins its boogie, 
continuing on for a little bit, coming all apart eight minutes-ish. Shout out to Andy and Chris here right before it comes back together and continues on. Stasic, keeping this thickness underneath this whole time. I just really enjoy the fullness of this. Miami Virtue next, getting comfortable with itself about five minutes. Stasic taking the reins slightly before seven and a half and moving this right along into a very sexy, deep reggae vibe jam, getting a little interstellarness to it as it floats out of Miami Virtue and begins to stumble back to reality, coming out as Smell the Mitten. This one really getting the treatment as it begins this massive adventure about three and a half and just goes off. This one you really, really need to listen to for sure. The second set ending with the standalone divisions. And while it was standalone, it still came in at about 19 minutes. So definitely still an adventure. Having this enticing vibe to it as it begins to get down and continue on with this grittiness a little before four and a half. Very sort of lax and laid back as it continues on. Feeling like it could slip into hangover at any point, but it doesn't do that. It does not stumble in there, even though it feels like it wants to. Enjoying itself for a little bit longer before gaining some maturity about nine and a half, building up and exploding back into divisions, sweetly heading off again. I just love the tenderness from Bayless there. Just all that emotion coming from his guitar in that in that jam. Just love it. Encore would begin with a little bit of a fake out cover of Freedom of 76 by Ween. But Bayless saying it was the wrong freedom. Instead going into George Michael's Freedom of 90 featuring Steve Britz, a.k.a. Britches, crew member if you did not know, on percussion with Andy Freedom of 90 has been played a total of 12 times, including here, last covered last year at Red Rocks on July 6th. I was very lucky to catch one of these on New Year's Eve in 2016 at the Aragon Ballroom in Chicago. This uh, this tune closed out the third set that evening. It was so good. It was so perfect for that night. Such a good and fun cover for them to do. Wow. There has been so much, and we still have the final day of this amazing run to get to. First, there would be a UM VIP set for those that purchased a VIP package for the two nights in Philadelphia. The set started with Triangle Tear that would stomp full of arrogance into similar skin, getting very comfortable slightly after three minutes, really getting deep into it a few minutes later as it soldiers on, Dancing back into similar skin about five minutes later. Kabump next. Stasic making things real grimy very early on before two minutes as the Lego parts begin to build together. Adventure on for a little bit, driving back into Kabump for a moment before deciding to wander off one more time getting seductive as it embodies its next adventure, starting to rotate at the beginning and begins to weave itself into mulches. Stasic again dropping right into this very thick and murky sound slightly after four minutes, trudging along and 
I feel like this is a little bit of that westernish jam there that we saw way back and it doesn't matter in the beginning of the year. I've been talking about it here and there throughout the year. I think we hear it here peeking out just a little bit for a minute. It's certainly in the same family for sure. Getting very menacing and threatening vibe to it as it starts its build up back into mulches. Bayless after this asking the crowd if they would rather them play Uncommon or Orfeo. Orfeo, as Bayless says it, whichever way is the right way to say it. Um, the crowd went with Uncommon. Uh, personally, I'm a little surprised with that. I would have personally chosen Orfeo. But okay, <laughs> that song was on the original set list, but they went with Uncommon. Now, let's get to the show later that evening. This night was just as stellar as night one. It really took a few listens for me to choose night one over this one. And Halloween only took over this one because of those police covers. But this show is still really, really great as well. Again, no sign of it being the last night of a three-night run at all. It just This show is just definitely really good, too. So, I mean, do yourself a favor and listen to the entire run. I mean, there's really big highlights from each night, for sure. Set one would open with the completion of Wizard Burial Ground from the night before, where it also opened the show. This evening, coming in with Joel's part about midway of the song, and as I mentioned before, I think this is the first time that they have done something like this, completing a song they opened the show with the previous night. I think it's pretty cool. So I, that's very awesome. Definitely give that a listen. And it's very cool to hear like everybody in the crowd, too, that realizes that it's the conclusion of Wizard Burial Ground. You know, like, it's pretty awesome that they did that. Love everything about the drama of the lead-in to the Lanier charging off a little after five minutes, dancing back in a few minutes later. That one goes on a very nice little adventure, getting a little heavy in the bottom as it transforms into Walletsworth. Preamble into Mantis next really gets into it about seven minutes. This jam here certainly making this a standout from the evening. It will wander off and go unfinished, but it will not remain that way super long. We'll see it creep up later on in the night. Hopping back full of energy as Miss Tinkles after that, melting into a kind of robotic sound as it comes out of Tinkles and begins to embrace its own path, opening into this mystical and Middle Eastern sounding adventure. But of course, not staying here, forging forward with continued momentum dabbling back in those mystical vibes again for a little bit, rapidly beginning to weave all together in this sort of aggressive whirlwind and then exploding back into tinkles. A very solid version certainly deserves a little bit of your time. Half delayed, followed by Hurt Birdbath to take us on one last journey in the first set, ominously sinking in getting very dreamy for a minute before it revs itself up to bring it back home. And the first set coming to a close with a cover of the Rage Against the Machine tune bomb track. This one will feature Marlon Lewis from Star Kitchen on drums and Chris, of course, on vocals. I'm sure this was a nod to Rage Against the Machine recently announcing a 2020 reunion tour. 
I know Chris is a Rage fan. Uh, Ryan is a Rage fan. So I'm sure they are pretty stoked to hear that they will be reunion tour coming up. This song only covered a total of four times, including this one here. A nice little bust out for sure. Last seen December 30th, 2016 at the Aragon Ballroom during that same run I just mentioned I was at when I talked about that George Michael tune they played on night one. I'm so glad I caught a bomb track live. Like I said, I enjoy Chris singing anyways, but something like this, him coming from behind the kit, it's just awesome. I've seen some damn awesome photos from when he was singing this too and jumping in the air. Just very cool. Finally, we get to the final set of the weekend, which by itself is a standout, I believe. And that is something I was thinking about after I mentioned night one in Philly was the top for me. I think from now on, when there's a run like this, I'm going to think of it broken down further than that by order of sets, if that makes any sense. These two shows in Philly, to me, were a perfect example, trying to decide which one I felt was quote-unquote better. Um, Set two of last night and then set two of this evening were my top two sets. So, I don't know, a little bit of a rant and a ramble there, but I think personally when I look at it from now on, um, I'm going to look at it that way. I mean, each set is its own little adventure, so... You know, I don't know. That's kind of what I'm thinking I'm going to look at it as. Coming out with this one, It Doesn't Matter, with James Casey from Star Kitchen on saxophone, getting to the depths of it slightly before eight minutes. Again, I'm going to shout out Stasic here with that real fat sound as Jake and James go off on their own little adventure. Beginning to round the corner about four minutes later, building up and kind of letting it fall and sprinkle back down into It Doesn't Matter. I know I've mentioned this, how much I love this tune anyways. I enjoyed the saxophone on this song and I enjoyed James on this as well. The next group of songs, this plunger sandwich, is really a standout from the entire weekend. If you're interested in the must-listens from this run... This plunger sandwich is definitely one of them, obviously starting with plunger, but only staying there for about three minutes-ish, sidestepping and dancing right into yoga pants. Last played earlier this year at Red Rocks on June 22nd, and one other time this year as well, January 26th at Riverside Theater in Milwaukee, sweetly moving into August starting to get into its own story early on, a little before two minutes, really opening up as it continues on, slamming back into August about five minutes later. And I want to highlight Bayless's solo here. It just starts out so dreamy and has this smoothness to it and then grows so much confidence. Really enjoy that one. Moving back into Plunger, and this is where... And I'm sure you've heard about Jake and the small guitar. This is where that happened. Apparently, this is a story that I heard from my friend Rob Turner. Side note, check out his show, Inside Out with Turner and Seth. If you haven't listened to their Unfreeze episodes, I know I linked him recently. Anyways, so according to him, there was some sort of a joke with Ryan 
their bus driver bought this guitar um, like as a way to get back at Ryan for some sort of a prank that he pulled or something. Anyway, it was handed to Ryan Friday night instead of his bass, and he just sort of tossed it aside. And Jake decided to play it on Saturday night, and that's exactly what happened. He plays it, he rips the strings out, he just goes off on this tangent, and I'm going to say, watching it from home when I was first watching it, it was just like, what the fuck is going on right now? He Then he proceeds to smash this Pete Townsend style. There's just no other way to describe that, 100%. No doubt, very therapeutic for him. I know personally it felt that way at home. I was just like, fuck yeah, this is so awesome. And Bayless even jokes about it at the end that it was therapeutic for him as well. It was just very, very rock and roll. If you haven't seen a video of it, um, Umphreys released like an official video um, I'll link it in the show notes because it's, it's certainly, certainly something else. <laughs> the second half of Plunger goes on beginning slightly before five minutes, very spacey. And about a minute later is where we hear that little guitar come out. And I do want to say, um, I've seen Billy Strings twice this year. Um, and I feel like as this store starts to, to move with Jake playing that little guitar, it has a very Billy Strings kind of vibe to it in there. Um, if you've seen Billy, I'm sure you uh, you know what I'm talking about. Party and Peeps next, followed by In the Kitchen, going out for a nice little stroll slightly after four minutes, bringing the second set nicely all back together, sliding very pleasantly right into the end of Mantis, and encore, just one song, one more very nice, hearty helping for the evening with Pay the Snucka. So that's all I have for this episode of the show. Anything referenced this week, including the set list for the show is discussed, as well as where you can listen to them, can be found in the show notes. If you have any questions or comments about anything talked about in this show or any other episode, please feel free to reach out. I love hearing from you guys, so please do not hesitate to contact the show. How you can do that is in the show notes as well. Thank you again so much for joining me. I'll see you around these parts next week. Much obliged.